Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast that's a newscast that has a cast of just me. But hey, at least I'm not wearing a cast. Haven't broken anything yet. Uh, yeah, so it is time for our weekly Zoo News podcast, and I am excited to be here with y'all. In case this is your first time hitting up Rasafari Zoo News, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. We are going to spend the next... Bah, half hour, give or take, talking about all the news that's happening in the world of zoos, conservations, aquariums, and uh, other animal stuff. Now, I know what you're thinking. Did he just say conservations? And uh, folks, he did. He being me, I did. Um, But due to some crazy stuff that happened in life this week, uh, I am in a huge hurry, and I'm just not going to stop and fix that. So conservations news is, is it is plus i figured that might make you laugh and hey we all like to laugh here right and speaking of the word here <laughs> oh i love when i'm goofy and have bad transitions um i am currently here in vermont as most of you who listen know playing uh northern stage doing doing the show i often tour with million dollar quartet and uh I, I need to take a minute here to to have a little brag fest the show is going super well we are having a blast audiences are loving it critics are loving it and uh there was a review in a publication called Seven Days Vermont that, amongst other glowing things about my cast, said, and a quick reminder here before I read this, the character that I play is W.S. Fluke Holland. Okay, so here's the thing they wrote. As Fluke, John Rossi pulls so much variety out of a drum kit that each tune seems fresh. He can twirl a drumstick in one hand while keeping the beat with the other and changes musical moods from Caribbean beats to shut-up-and-drive rock propulsion. Y'all, that might be the best review I've ever gotten. I love it so much. I work so hard to make all of the songs that I play sound different and unique and interesting despite the fact that um, Rockabilly doesn't actually have a ton of really different beats for the drums. So uh, I just thought it was really cool that a reviewer got what I'm trying to do, and I thought that y'all might want to hear it. And if not, well, hey, it's my podcast, so... <laughs> yes, I just blew a raspberry. I, uh, I do not know what's gotten into me today. Anyway, y'all, let's uh, get to some quick reminders here. Make sure you're following along on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, at Rossafari. On TikTok at Rossafari Pod. You can hit up the website, Rossafari.com. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash Rossafari. There you can uh, financially support the pod for as little as $3 a month, and you get access to all kinds of cool stuff, most notably bonus audio from a lot of my interviews. 
Uh, and if you want to go with being a Red Panda donor, which is a top donor level, then you also get a shout out in the podcast like this. <clears throat> Thank you to my Red Panda donors, Laura Shank and PJ Bevan. See, it'll sound just like that because that was the thing. I often do it at the end, but they're so cool they're getting it at the beginning today. All right. Well, clearly I am in a goofy, goofy mood, and um, as much fun as it would be to keep rapping and being goofy with y'all, I, I feel like uh, the old saying that everyone knows, Zoo News Waits for No One, is apropos here. So uh, without further ado, Zoo News, Zoo News, it's the news that's about Zoo, Zoo News. So, right off the bat, we are going to start off with a story that's a little bit scary, honestly. Um, not in terms of it being a, you know, scary story, but because I'm about to say a word that gets me in trouble with listeners no matter how I say it. And that word is Oregon. Or Oregon. See, I've gotten in trouble for saying it both ways. However, I am sticking with Oregon because, well, that's what I'm sticking with. Anyway, um, the Oregon Zoo has recently released multiple hundred northern leopard frogs back into the wild this month after giving them a head start. Northern leopard frogs are an incredibly endangered frog species that has only a few populations remaining in the entire Pacific Northwest. As such, these reintroductions are incredibly important to keeping the species around and also to perpetuating the genetic diversity of the species in the wild. Congrats to the Oregon Zoo for doing such amazing work, because without you, these frogs may find themselves Oregon. Ew! And speaking of gone... Two families have been ejected from the Beijing Wildlife Park and will not be allowed back into the zoo after a really violent fight broke out between the families there. It started off as a trivial argument, but turned into an all-out brawl involving at least six people, including a woman holding a young boy. The woman who was holding a toddler could be seen repeatedly kicking another woman as she tries to fight off a third woman on the ground. Two men are in a full-on wrestle in the background as a circle of others try to pull them off each other. And at one point, the woman with the child grabs an entire handful of another woman's hair, prompting a man to charge over and kick the first woman holding the child to the ground. It absolutely got crazy, although Beijing Wildlife Park security guards were able to break up the brawl, though that didn't happen until one of the brawlers actually did a flying jump kick to another one of them. Now, this could sound like sensationalism or like, hey, I guess it's newsworthy because it happened in a zoo, but here's where this story takes uh, an even darker turn, honestly. So this all happened by the gorilla enclosure. And the gorillas were completely freaked out, having never seen a human brawl happen before. It was terrifying for them. But then later in the day, the gorillas started to imitate the behaviors of the humans, trying some of the same fighting moves. 
I'm so disturbed and disgusted by that. Apparently, keepers were able to calm the troop and uh, work with them to make sure those behaviors were not learned or repeated, and everything is going fine since that day. But the fight at the zoo actually led the gorillas to also start to brawl it out with each other. And um, that's just disgusting. I say this a lot on the podcast, but zoo visitors really need to do better. Um, you do have an impact on the animals and their lives. You, you, you impact that. You just do. And I know, I know, preaching to the choir, I'm going to stop now. But uh, taking into consideration your actions at a zoo, not just in terms of the other people around you, but the animals by like, you know, not banging on the glass and stuff like that, um, go, goes a long way to making those animals' lives in captivity a, a lot better. Jeremy Goodman, the executive director of Roger Williams Park Zoo, is leaving his position to take on a new job at the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium as their next president and CEO. Goodman has done some incredible work at Roger Williams Park Zoo, and he leaves them in a great place, including financially, despite all of the COVID issues. However, I have to admit, I'm, uh, while I'm sorry to see him leave RWPZ, a zoo that I love, I am really excited to see what he is going to be able to do at the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. Uh, if you don't remember from an earlier Zoo News episode, Pittsburgh is currently not a member of the AZA. They are ZAA accredited, but they left the AZA quite publicly when the AZA transitioned to all elephants needing to be protected contact. They left simply because of that and otherwise had been a member in good standing of the AZA for quite some time. However, it was recently discovered that to keep their lease, they need to be accredited by the AZA and as such have begun that process. After illustrating such incredible leadership at Roger Williams Park Zoo, I feel like Jeremy Goodman is going to be an excellent president helping them transition back into AZA accreditation. I cannot wait to see what the near and far future of the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium holds. So if you've been following along with the whole COVID-19 and animals situation, you know that so far the news has been pretty good. Some zoo tigers and lions have gotten it. A lot of deer in the wild have it, but they're all pretty much asymptomatic to showing very light symptoms and, um, you know, things have been pretty good in that department so far. However, there is now reason to believe that the Delta variant might be incredibly risky for animals. At the Vandalore Zoo in Chennai, India, 15 lions got COVID-19 and it was quickly discovered that it was the Delta variant. To say that the symptoms were not mild would be an understatement, but the amazing work done by the zoo to save the animals, most of them, was incredible. It all started when staff realized that the lions were not doing their normal call every night where each one roars once kind of to identify itself and let the rest of the pride know that they are all there and doing okay. Shortly thereafter, one of the nine-year-old Asiatic lions, Neela, had a runny nose, bouts of cough, and a high fever. As the zoo's vets watched from outside her enclosure, a weak and panting Neela suddenly collapsed, her paws unable to hold her weight. She stopped breathing and passed away within 24 hours. 
Shortly after this happened, nine of the 14 remaining lions started showing shortness of breath, having acute signs of colds, and losing their appetite, and the doctors quickly realized that the most likely culprit was COVID-19. Tests confirmed that it was not only COVID-19, but the Delta variant, and the vets quickly went into emergency mode along with the keepers, realizing that Delta had the potential to kill in just days, as they had seen with Neela. Now, obviously, taking care of lions with COVID-19 presented a lot of problems. For instance, keeper and vet staff had to wear full PPE whenever close to the enclosures, often for 12 to 14 hours a day, not counting the voluntary overnight shifts that they all took turns doing. To get samples and administer drugs, the vets and keepers had to use what is called a squeeze system, which is a hydraulic mechanism that makes cages smaller when an animal enters it, thus restraining them so that you can use a needle or something. Suffice to say, the lions did not like this and quickly learned to ignore their keepers calling them whenever they saw vet staff. As such, the vets would have to hide until the lions got into the squeeze systems and then quickly jump out and administer the drugs or tests. The lions did not like this, and many tried to get violent, though of course they were, you know, protected contact so everyone was safe. In some cases, the lions figured out to not go to the squeeze cages ever, 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 and as such, uh, to get their drugs, they had to be darted. The crazy part about all of this is that anesthetizing the lions was a really bad idea since they were already having problems breathing, so there was actually no way to test how they were doing and if the drugs or anything was working. It was all based entirely off of visually documenting the symptoms they were experiencing. And it did seem like all of the lions were starting to get better. 13 of the 15 did, but along with Neela, one other lion passed away. His name was Path Banathan. And his death came at a time when everyone seemed to be doing much better, so it was really devastating to the staff. In fact, there's actually no way to know with certainty that he did die of COVID-19, but uh, it's, you know, Occam's razor says that is what happened. Unfortunately, though, uh, because of how contagious the Delta variant is, they were not allowed to do a necropsy. And for those of you who are following the COVID stuff in our world uh, closely, you'll notice that I kept mentioning drugs being administered, but we don't really know exactly what types and uh, doses of drugs are needed to combat COVID, especially not in lions where they've all been asymptomatic and, and doing okay. As such, the uh, vets at the zoo brought experts, including the dean of wildlife and the head of animal internal medicine of the Tamil Nadu Veterinary and Animal Sciences University to the zoo. They also contacted all zoos in India, which reported animals getting COVID-19, and spoke to the vets at the Bronx Zoo, where the tigers and lions had tested positive back in April, though it wasn't the Delta variant. They quickly collected all of this information and then put the lions on steroids, broad-spectrum antibiotics, and antipyretics to reduce their fever. They were also given lots of vitamin supplements and immunity boosters. The drugs are generally mixed in with their feed, but many of the lions had stopped eating, and so the team had to come up with all kinds of different options, including offering a bunch of different types of food that they don't normally offer to entice the lions into trying new things. 
making a slurry out of drugs and meat that they could drink when they didn't want to eat, and as I mentioned before, darting them with the drugs. This was a journey, y'all. In total, the team worked hard for 50 days, 24 hours a day, constantly observing, constantly in PPE, doing everything they could to save these lions' lives from the Delta variant. And 13 out of 15 survived, which is incredible. But it's also scary because it does mean that we may be able to transfer the Delta variant to zoo animals, and uh, it may cause a lot more damage than the original did. Obviously, there's no way to know for sure. There could have been plenty other factors that led to these problems with these lions. Um, you know, I don't know what their husbandry is like. I don't know what the zoo is like. And um, it, it's really hard to say. But this may be the start of many scary stories like this. Of course, you can help by making sure that you are vaccinated and wearing masks in places where it is requested, including when you are around animals susceptible to the novel coronavirus. Hey, thanks, y'all. You didn't think you were going to get through an episode without me reminding you to vaccinate and mask up, did you? And now... Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh, yeah! Party on, zoos! Party on, conservation! Our friends at the Turtle Survival Alliance are pleased to announce that they have recently returned 1,000 radiated tortoises to the wild. These tortoises were rescued from illegal trafficking and have since been returned to Madagascar to continue living their lives. Furthermore, the TSA, along with Madagascar's Ministry of Environment and Sustainable Development, have officially started the Confiscation to Reintroduction Strategy which is a pilot program that will serve as a blueprint for rewilding more than 26,000 confiscated tortoises under the Turtle Survival Alliance's care through community partnerships. Of course, the turtles will be monitored post-release in order to make sure that they are uh, doing well and also to record their movements and uh, learn about them and how effective the releases are. And if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you go back to season one and listen to my episode where I interview Kelly Courier of the Turtle Survival Alliance. It is one of my most listened to and talked about episodes, and I'm incredibly proud to share it with all of you because Kelly was an amazing guest who has such a unique outlook on life. Talking to her was incredible. I highly recommend you check it out. A new marmoset species has been discovered in the Brazilian Amazon. A team of scientists discovered the species, known as Schneider's marmoset, and described it in the latest issue of the journal Scientific Reports. The species is named after Horatio Schneider, a pioneer and major contributor to the research of diversity and evolution of monkeys. Now, y'all have heard me talking about New World monkeys, especially marmosets and tamarins, on this podcast a lot, but it's really interesting uh, how little study is done on a lot of these species and how little is known about them. In fact, we actually have no idea how many different marmoset species exist in the Amazon. What we do know is that deforestation is hurting all of these species, both the ones that we have discovered and the ones that we have not yet discovered and may never discover if we uh, 
keep deforesting the Amazon. This creates big problems in the world in general, but also in the world of conservation, because if we don't know species exist and can't get a decent count on them, then we aren't going to divert funds to them for conservation. As a matter of fact, most marmoset species have no conservation work being done towards them at this time, despite the fact that their habitat is being destroyed. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling particularly conservation-y, maybe marmosets are a good group of species to look at. Heck, you may even get to discover one and name it. And I'm just saying, y'all, you could name it after your favorite podcast. The Rasafari Marmoset has a real nice ring to it, don't you think? Dan Ash, the president of the AZA, who also served as U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service director from 2011 to 2017, is speaking out on behalf of wolves. We've talked about some of the dangers facing wolves right now, uh, both in Idaho, where hunting them has just become completely legal and there are no restrictions, and also in the challenges faced in reintroducing wolves into North Carolina, where the population is deathly afraid of them and kind of wants the species to go extinct. The truth is, the popular opinion on wolves seems to have turned very negative, often for not really good reasons. There's a lot of fear by, like, say, cattle ranchers that wolves will come and kill a bunch of their cows, which isn't really how wolves work. And a lot of humans are deathly afraid of wolves, despite the fact that um, given the chance to interact with humans or walk away, most wolves will, in fact, walk away. Recent legislation has allowed all kinds of unfair advantages to hunters going after wolves, including baiting, electronic calling, night vision equipment, unlimited weaponry, the use of vehicles, snaring, unrestricted limits, and compensation for expenses, which uh, is a pretty fancy term for something that used to be called bounties and is really, really frowned upon. As Dan Ash says, this is no longer wildlife management. It is ecocide. The truth is, wolves fill a very important ecological niche, and they are part of our ecosystem, and they are oftentimes not a threat to humans. Most of the threat of wolves is overstated. Dan Ash is pushing for the Fish and Wildlife Service to institute an emergency listing for wolves, which the Lao laws at the discretion of the Secretary of the Interior when a species faces a significant risk to their well-being. Additional steps are also being offered. However, the relisting of wolves and in an emergency way is possibly the only thing that will save these populations in Idaho and Wyoming in particular, but really all around the U.S., from being lost to us. In other news. So... Last week in Zoo News, I told you about Red Panda's Linda, also known as Talinda, and Marvin, and the fact that they had cubs. And how cool that was, because uh, Linda and Marvin were actually raised together at Zoo Knoxville, despite the fact that they were not related. I was not alone in finding it incredibly interesting that the fact that they were raised together had no impact on their willingness to mate together. And I mentioned something about how animals generally do not inbreed and how interesting that was. Well, 
Turns out I was pretty wrong about that. Um, This is one of the perks of having your partner be a veterinarian. I was shown a study that said quite differently. In fact, a study has shown that most species do not avoid inbreeding. And in fact, under some conditions, the inclusive fitness benefits associated with inbreeding can even lead to a preference for mating with kin amongst many animal species. It turns out that it's just kind of the human ickiness factor of inbreeding that uh, makes us believe that animals in the wild don't do this. Now, we all know that there are some health risks associated with inbreeding, and I, I don't really have the answer of how animals manage to avoid that. M- maybe they don't. Maybe some of the evolutionary things that we see in animals now actually come from that. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. But what I do know is that the study analyzed over 40 years of research and came up with no reason to believe that animals avoid inbreeding. Now, that's not to say that I think that the SSP should change and that we should uh, not be worried about genetic diversity, especially in a managed population that is incredibly important. But it is also different than the behavior being exhibited in the wild by a lot of animals, something I found absolutely fascinating. A nearly 28,000-year-old cave lion cub discovered frozen in the Siberian permafrost is so well-preserved you can still make out each and every one of the lioness's whiskers. How amazing is that? The cub, whose Swedish researchers have nicknamed Sparta, is most likely the best-preserved Ice Age animal ever uncovered. Teeth Skin and soft tissue have all been mummified by the ice, and her organs actually remain intact, which is pretty rare. Interestingly enough, the discovery was made in a very non-conservation-y kind of way. Uh, More and more people are becoming what are known as tusk hunters. See, wildlife hunting and trade have become more restricted, and people still will pay a pretty penny for ivory, and so many people are going out into the permafrost in Siberia trying to find ancient remains that will still have ivory. Um, Because, you know, climate change has been weakening the permafrost, and it's not actually permanent with climate change. And so these people are able to find specimens that had been buried in ice for centuries, kind of like Captain America. Mm -hmm. Always got to bring it back to Marvel. Anyway, as people are attempting to do their tusk hunting, they are finding woolly rhinos, wolves, brown bears, horses, reindeer, and bison in the permafrost, pulling them out and seeing what they can get for them. This is particularly exciting when it comes to cave lions because we weren't actually entirely sure that they existed before we found the uh, mummified bodies. They had found some fossils and tracks and even found some ancient cave art that made them think that these cave lions existed, but they weren't 100% sure until they started popping out of the permafrost. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what all pops out of the permafrost in the next couple of years and how that impacts our understanding of what wildlife in Siberia was like 15,000, 20,000, even 40,000 years ago. And hey, possibly even further back than that if we don't fix this whole global climate change issue. So, yeah, probably further back than that. And there it is, folks, the silver lining in the whole climate change disaster. It's a small one, but hey, we got to take what we got, right? And last but not least in our other news segment, 
a wandering wallabies walkout has ended in Lebanon County, Pennsylvania, near where I grew up, actually. The Pennsylvania Game Commission announced that they captured a wallaby that had been seen wandering all around Lebanon County, and uh, many people were confused by why there was a wallaby wandering the area. In fact, most were so confused because they, uh, along with knowing it shouldn't be there, all thought it was a kangaroo and kept reporting a kangaroo, when in fact, it was a wallaby. Now, wallabies can be kept legally as a pet in Pennsylvania, but it requires all kinds of really hard-to-get paperwork, including proving that you've worked at least two years with the species in an accredited facility. So it's pretty unlikely that this was a legal pet that uh, just happened to escape. In fact, there are no current exotic pet licenses for wallabies in this part of Pennsylvania, so... Yeah, most likely this is an illegal pet. As of now, the Game Commission is not sure who had the pet, but they do have some suspicions and are doing some looking into it. Hopefully they're able to catch this person. But let's be honest, mostly I really liked this story because I love the idea of just driving around the area where I grew up and seeing a wallaby. And I love imagining the people calling into their local authorities and being like, um... Yeah, so I was just driving, and I think I saw a kangaroo uh, hopping through a field with some, like, cows and stuff. I don't know. The whole thing's just very entertaining to me. I mean, not the illegal wildlife trade aspect of it, and not all the bad things, and not the fact that the wallaby was probably not well cared for. All of that is horrible. But, like, picturing the, the phone calls is pretty entertaining to me. All right, so it is time for Animal Holidays, and um, quick note, if you are a fan of Peppermint Narwhal, the calendar that I'm using to tell you about all of these comes from them, you can currently order your 2022 Animal Holiday calendar. Just go to Peppermint Narwhal's Instagram page or uh, Facebook to find details on how to do that. You know I'll be ordering mine. Anyway, we don't actually have a lot of holidays this uh, this week. It is still National Catfish Month, and I've made a lot of jokes about that, so uh, I'm not going to. Friday the 20th is World Mosquito Day, and I'm really not excited about that as I'm currently playing shows outdoors, and um, the mosquitoes are real, y'all. Uh, the 21st, which is Saturday, is both National Honeybee Day and World Goat Day. I love goats. Selfies with goats are amazing. So, uh, yay, the 21st. And then nothing until Thursday the 26th, which is World African Painted Dog Day and, just in general, National Dog Day. Not sure why they couldn't divvy up some of these double days on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, but, hey, I'm not the one who makes the call. I'm not even the one who makes the calendar. I just read it. And there you have it, folks. Finished uh, almost six hours before I release it. Zoo News is done for the week. Yay, zoos. Oh, man, you know, I've been thinking about using zoos, Z-E-W-S, as my shortened way of saying Zoo News, but I realize that when you say zoos, it just sounds like you're saying zoos. Zoos, 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 zoos. See, yeah, it works in writing, but I don't know how well it's going to work in, in speaking. And seeing how this is a podcast, that uh, that kind of matters, y'all. <laughs> 
Oh, well. Anyway, I would like to remind you that if you see any stories that are zoos worthy, nope, just doesn't work, zoo news worthy, you can tag me in them at Ross Safari on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook, or DM them to me, or email them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. I would like to thank this week's contributors, Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross, Dr. Natalie Taco, Elizabeth Dunlevy, Renee Howell, Danny Poirier-Larson, and Anya Keen. Thank you all so much. And remember, folks, all you need to do is send me a story, and I'll say your name at the end of the podcast, too. Exciting stuff. All right, y'all. Here come the Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.